This episode is brought to you by Cold Storage Coins, the easiest way to own Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. G'day soldiers of the Altcoin Army, welcome to another episode of the Altcoin Buzz podcast with your host Alicia, Jeremy and James. We're not going to be doing the news today because we want to try and get these podcasts down to about 30 minutes. So we're going to jump straight into the interview with Sentinel Protocol. John Kirk, Chief Evangelist from Sentinel Protocol. How you going, mate? I'm doing great. How are you? Good I'm- to hear from you. I'm doing fantastic. Welcome to the Altcoin Buzz podcast. I'd like to introduce you to the lovely Leisha. Hello. Hello, Leisha. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. And Jeremy from the United States. Hey, John. Hello, Hello, Jeremy. Good morning. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, sir. So we like to keep things uh, a bit interesting, a bit bit low-key at the beginning. So we'll start with a very, very simple question. How did you fall down the rabbit hole? How did you get into crypto? Tell Tell us about yourself. I see. Well, you know, I've had a career where I've brought new technologies to market over the years. Uh, really, my specialization has been Japan uh, and Korea and various other countries in the Asia-Pacific region. And uh, basically, I've worked with a variety of different types of cybersecurity technologies since 1998, including network firewalls, encryption, web application firewalls, um, and AI. And, and basically, after having addressed various challenges, uh, some people came knocking on my door uh, last November asking me to join a new startup to address a very urgent issue, a problem in the marketplace, and that is cybersecurity for blockchain. And quite frankly, since my last challenge had been successfully addressed, and I, I'm a sucker for good challenges, what can I say? Um, I, I, I thought that this is important. I think it needs to be done. Uh, we see this rash of uh, cybersecurity hacking incidents, and so... Um, I basically became the number three, three person uh, to join Sentinel Protocol. Fantastic. That's one hell of a resume. So it's, uh, it's, good, that you're, <laughs> it's good that you've, uh, you've come into the market. Obviously, blockchain technology definitely needs a security being as new that it is. It's the same situation when the internet first appeared. You know, we're, we're in the pioneering eras, so it's all brand new to everybody, I believe. So it's good to see that we've got people that are thinking about the security of it as well as trying to uh, further the technology. Absolutely right. I mean, uh, I see all these different hacking incidents occurring, and I just believe that something needs to be done about it more than just government regulation. Uh, The use of technology to help provide a problem is uh, something that really needs to be done, and if done, can enable people to uh, basically invest in crypto, use blockchain applications, and sleep at night. Mm. There's a lot of benefit in that. Um, All right. So I wanted to ask you here, how do you think that the crypto exchanges, the hacks that have been happening to these various different exchanges have been affecting the market prices of Bitcoin and obviously other coins? And obviously, how much do you think it's delaying mainstream adoption at the same time? I think it's a huge issue. I think that there's a lot of people out there that are very anxious about uh, the concern that if they invest in crypto, if that perhaps, uh, let's say they take some of the money that's uh, reserved for retirement or for Johnny's education and they put it into crypto, uh, perhaps in a certain period of time, um, all that crypto may be gone. And, you know, that could be a big problem. 
I mean, that would give me anxiety. Um, and I certainly would not want to have the conversation with my family members about, uh, you know, the money that we set aside for various purposes. I'm sorry, but it's all gone now. And unfortunately, in today's world, you know, if you get hacked in terms of the crypto exchanges or your wallet and so forth, there's really nobody to turn to. Um, the police, the FBI, the Homeland Security, um, government, um, there's really nobody out there for the common person or organization to say, hey, I need help. I got hacked. Can you help me, please? It is a wild, wild west. It's every man for himself. Mm. But do you think that it, it has like affected the market price? Oh, absolutely. I, I think that people are holding back, uh, perhaps uh, investing in other alternative investments. Um, but I, 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 we've noticed that just recently, you know, for instance, uh, there have been a couple of hacking incidents uh, in, in Korea with CoinRail and with uh, uh, BitThumb. And uh, the market, uh, the, the price of cryptocurrencies has decreased. Uh, right now, it's uh, decreased substantially from what it was a month, month and a half ago. Um, but that kind of cyclic activity is actually quite normal. Um, and I think it reflects uh, the need for increasing, if, if, if I may say so, um, solutions for cybersecurity. Um, for people are looking for greater stability. They're looking for uh, a, a lack of anxiety that when they, if they make this investment, the investment's not going to disappear. And until that happens, we will continue to see this type of cyclic activity uh, after hacking incidents occur. I agree with you. I mean, uh, cybersecurity is certainly a big issue and a serious matter. Mm. And I'd like to ask you about your product itself, like Sentinel's protocol. Could you elaborate a little bit more about it, like perhaps cover product strategy, what kind of business strategy you have, and, what, and how do crypto users directly benefit from it? Okay, um, that's a pretty big question. Yeah, I know. Um, just just very, a very quick uh, overview. Okay, a very quick overview. So basically, um, at Sentinel Protocol, our mission is to provide a cybersecurity ecosystem of technology and support services for assisting uh, individuals and organizations to protect their valuable crypto assets from hacks, scams, and fraud. And basically, to do that, uh, we are utilizing a number of different types of technologies and we're also putting together a group of people that we call the Sentinels. So cybersecurity is, you know, there's nobody, there's no silver bullet right now in, in terms of cybersecurity. Nobody just uses a network firewall. Nobody just uses antivirus uh, or ID management. It, it requires different types of technologies so that you can detect and block attacks from different uh, vectors or different directions of different types. So... Um, and in addition, there is a need for analysis of different types of problems or su suspicious activities. So what we're doing is that we're putting together not a product, but a platform. And a platform, by definition, is a means by which we can provide a variety of different types of technologies and services to our users. And by doing that, we can provide them with the means to detect, analyze, um, share information, 
and protect themselves from various types of attacks and threats. And, and so our, our uh, Sentinel protocol will have a, a threat reputation da database for filtering uh, dangerous URLs, URIs, uh, identifying phishing addresses, providing information on command control sites, uh, providing information on confirmed, validated, uh, dangerous wallet addresses bringing, belonging to hackers. And in addition, we'll be supplementing that with sandboxing technology and also artificial intelligence uh, technology for detecting anomalies and behavior. And then in addition to that, we'll have the Sentinels who will be providing services. These are security experts who will be providing consulting services to our users uh, to analyze suspicious activity for doing scans or penetration testing um, and providing different types of services to assist people who are in need uh, in terms of understanding what, what has happened. But in terms of all of that, I'd just like to emphasize that we're positioning ourselves to be a proactive cybersecurity service as opposed to a reactive one. And by proactive, what I mean is that we're looking to help people identify threats and attacks before the damage has been suffered. And by doing that, we can help people to retain uh, their crypto assets because once they've been hacked, well, then you run into this dilemma of, well, where are they? Uh, who's got them? How do I get them back? And that entire process can take some time. Okay, John. So I just want to ask, is it possible to prevent the use of stolen coins? Uh, yes, it is uh, possible to prevent the use of stolen coins. Uh, basically, today, the situation is very different from the conventional world. In the conventional world with a credit card, um, if somebody has stolen my credit card, I can put out an alert to the credit card company and they can stop any types of transactions using that credit card instantly. However, in the crypto world, that currently is not possible. And one of the reasons is that it's rather difficult these days uh, to trace transactions and to trace stolen Bitcoins. And your question is, is how to do that. Well, that's part of the Sentinel protocol. We're building into our product the capability to trace uh, various uh, crypto coins uh, that are being used through wallets and through exchanges and payment systems. Uh, there are some uh, cryptocurrencies that are more difficult than others to trace. And the solution for that is that there are companies out there that specialize in, in tracing different types of rather uh, private crypto coins. And by utilizing that technology, we can address that problem. Another aspect of the problem is that we are compiling a list of stolen Bitcoins. And then we're planning to share that information with different types of exchanges and payment systems, even if they are not our signed partners. Um, so by doing that, those different exchanges can have lists of stolen bitcoins, and if they see those going through their exchanges, then they can uh, monitor, they can flag those, they can put out an alert, um, and, and that's part of the solution as well. All right, then I got a question here. So, um, aside from the stolen coins and stuff like this, we were trying to prevent this in the beginning. I mean, how how are what are some different ways that we can prevent phishing and scams in the first place? Obviously, in crypto, there's that everywhere. Well, I think that in terms of 
preventing uh, phishing and scams in the first place. Uh, one way is, of course, to be very, very vigilant um, to avoid uh, clicking on URLs that you don't know about, that you're not sure of. Uh, there's a lot of uh, emails that are being circulated. Um, and, and to ensure that uh, you don't click on something that you from somebody that you don't know. Um, make sure that when you're using networks um, that you're not uh, using, for instance, a hotel network, uh, communicating in clear when you're typing in passwords and uh, user IDs because they can be collected. I think updating your software uh, using two-factor security authentication, not just relying on one. Um, some people are doing such things as um, isolating uh, the email addresses that are associated with their crypto accounts so that it's much more difficult for the hacker to um, access uh, their email accounts and to divert um, the telephone numbers that are associated with them uh, to email accounts that are out of their control. But basically, they're segmenting things uh, better. I think that's a good idea, too. Um, and I think that uh, using Sentinel protocol, because what we're going to be doing is we're going to be having a filtering engine that will have all those different types of phishing addresses, command control sites. And for instance, when you're doing a transaction, um, using our API to our threat relational database, um, people will be able to uh, receive an alert indicating to them that maybe what they're uh, they're communicating with is dangerous or the the url that they're communicating with is a, a phishing address and they would receive an alert and they would have a decision whether or not to then continue on with the transaction or to cancel the transaction um, and if it looks suspicious another thing to do is to instead of doing it instantly they could call up the exchange and they could do it in a much more controlled manner so that basically by doing it in a controlled manner, you can help to um, get rid of the things that are some of the things that are dangerous. Um, you can do it in a more careful step-by-step -step manner and therefore perhaps identify uh, various threats as you go through the process rather than doing things in a quick manner. Now a quick word about our amazing sponsor, Cold Storage Coins. You can now store your cryptocurrencies on actual cold coins made of fine copper, silver, or gold. Each coin features a unique wallet ID and laser-etched private key, which is concealed beneath a tamper-evident holographic film. You simply scan the QR code on the back in order to transfer your funds to the coin. There's no hardware associated with these wallets, and they are hack and fireproof. This is a very fun, safe, and inexpensive way to store cryptocurrencies. Please visit coldstoragecoins.com for more and use our code BUZZ10, all capital letters, for a 10% discount. Now back to the podcast. Yeah, uh, so I just wanted like to say that, yeah, it, it did help a lot, your explanation. I think it's, it's a very good one. But I would like to go back to exchanges for a second. We mentioned them already today and all those hacking incidents, including Bit, uh, BitHump. Uh, one of the most recent ones. Which what one was that? Bithum. Bit it's not Bithump. It's Bithump. What? What did I say? Bithump. Yeah, but I said Bithump. Okay. No? Anyway, 
You mean Bitam? Yeah, 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 Bitam. So, uh, what do you think about decentralized exchange? Do you think that they are better or maybe they're worse because of certain tumbling and mixing? What is your view on that? Well, there's two different types of exchange. There's centralized and there's decentralized. And the centralized means that you basically go through that type of third-party organization that's doing the transaction between two parties. And, of course, if you go through a recognized or trusted third party, um, they do have the chance of, you know, filtering, of, of taking some responsibility in terms of the transaction. But uh, even then, I mean, there are various dangers. I mean, a lot of these exchanges are being hacked. And that indicates that even, they, even if they are centralized, um, they, they do have some problems. But there's also a different type of exchange, and that's the decentralized ones. And by definition, that means that the transaction does not go through the exchange. It goes directly from uh, party A to party B. And in, in that situation, um, there's even less uh, security. There's less oversight. Um, and therefore, the dangers of, of security vulnerabilities are actually much higher. And uh, I think that in both instances, uh, Sentinel Protocol can play a very valuable role to assist uh, the users of the exchange as well as the exchange to avoid um, threats and attacks, but even more so in the decentralized exchange because there's a greater need for security there, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But both are very, very important. That is an interesting uh, remark. And I also wanted to ask you a little bit about the, your, the recent news, like the recent developments. So I know that you took part in... in in the International Conference on Cyber Conflict in Estonia. How yes, was that? Yes. That was great. It was excellent. I really enjoyed uh, being part of that event and speaking there. The reason is, is that there were the, the level of knowledge and expertise of the attendees was very high, but also uh, there were people from different groups, from government and from technology, uh, from end users, and I think that one of the things that's really important these days is that we need to have more communication between the various stakeholders. And I mean, and all of those stakeholders um, are the ones that I'm interested in communicating with. By having good communications with government, we can help them to understand how uh, cybersecurity technology can help to make things more stable and how people can avoid being hacked how they can fit the regulation to be more better aligned with technology. And we can also uh, work with various different types of uh, cybersecurity developers in terms of bringing solutions to market. And we can receive input from end users about their needs, requirements, and concerns, and therefore design products that are uh, uh, better designed to meet their needs and requirements. But the last thing I'd like to say is that in Estonia, we heard a very clear message from um, leading government officials about the need for shared uh, cybersecurity data and for the need for various types of parties to work together to bring this information together to provide a collective cybersecurity intelligence or, or if you will, crowdsourced cybersecurity intelligence to bring that to market and make that available. And by doing so, provide a richer, um, deeper uh, set of information about cybersecurity threats and attacks, which by definition can better assist the end user.
Actually, I was um, I'm kind of interested in asking how much um, secure or how much information is currently being shared between the, like cybersecurity between the governmental structures across the world. Is it something that they're willing to share, or is it something like top secret? Well, I think there's a lot of information that is classified. Uh, but when I see these types of events where uh, the president of Estonia was there, the former president of Estonia was there, uh, there were leading figures from, in the cybersecurity world from academia, from both Europe um, as well as the United States and other parts of the world. Um, I, I see that, I saw that event as very special because it had those different stakeholders represented uh, in a very significant degree. Whereas most events that I go to, um, maybe it's typically it's mostly cybersecurity developers, or maybe it's mostly people from Asia, or maybe it's mostly end users with a few um, developers talking to them. But it's usually much more segmented. It's not as uh, multilateral. If I, I guess that would be the right word, representing different stakeholders. And, and I think we need to have more types of events like that periodically uh, in different parts of the world. Um, there were people in Estonia besides myself that were from Asia. I'm based in Tokyo. So I was really happy to see that there were people there from Singapore and from Korea and, and from Japan as well as China. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's fantastic. You know, you've got a lot to uh, a lot to offer into the industry. Obviously, security is going to be a big thing for any uh, any kind of technology out there that could have the potential for fraud for fraudulent activity. So, uh, I think that this is a good point to try and bring up the uh, to call in the podcast. It's been absolutely fantastic having you on the show. Is there anything that you'd like to add um, add near the end, or for our listeners to to listen into? Uh, yeah, I, I'd just like to add in that one of the reasons why this all came about is really from having a personal experience with this type of problem, and that is our CEO, uh, Patrick Kim, uh, in May 2016, he was hacked, and he is a cybersecurity expert, and uh, he was hacked of uh, uh, several thousand uh, Ethereum. Mm. And that was worth uh, approximately $70,000 at the time. It would be worth a lot more money now. But, yeah, of course. you know, from that experience, he, uh, you know, had quite a bit of consternation, uh, quite a bit of pain or angst, if you will. And it was really from uh, that experience that while he was visiting Uppsala in Sweden, that the idea came to mind that he could leverage his background, his skills, his capabilities to help other people to not have the same experience. I actually, I wanted to like to ask why is Uppsala mentioned because I saw it on your site that you are referring to the Uppsala Foundation and I thought to myself, well, how is Sweden involved in here and what happened? But now it clarifies a lot. John, on a, on a final note, where can our community find you? Oh, that's a great question. Um, they can find in different places, but I think the key place to find us is our uh, internet webpage, and that is sentinelprotocol.io. And people can always uh, uh, look at for us on Telegram as well. 
and we have chat rooms in English, uh, Chinese, Korean, and Japanese. Um, so we can communicate in a variety of different languages and share information with our end users. Fantastic. Thank you. All right. Well, John, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the show. Um, you've got a lot to say. Obviously, you're doing the right thing by the community and by all the technologies out there and by providing this uh, security. So I wish you all the best, uh, best endeavors, and uh, hopefully we hear great things from you in the future. Thank you to all of you for your time and for your questions and for speaking with me today. It's really been a great pleasure. Thank you, John. Likewise. It was great talking to you. Nice to meet y'all. Bye for now. Bye. Well, guys, that was a pretty interesting interview. It's uh, good that Sentinel Protocol is out there watching us, watching everybody while they sleep, making sure everyone's secured. What do you guys think? I think that we need more projects like that. Like, really, uh, mm. cybersecurity is a big issue right now, and we need to tackle it. And I'm glad that there are companies out there like Sendin and Protocol, which are dealing with what's most important because people are losing money, and it's uh, it's always an essential issue, I think. Mm. What do you think, Jeremy? Absolutely. It's very nice that, like you said, a few companies are actually pushing the security aspect here, and hopefully they can actually put forth what they're actually trying to do on this project. It's a pretty hefty project they're trying to do, but hopefully it works out pretty well for them, James. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that it's good good work that they're doing, and uh, we hope to hear some good things from them in the future. Well, all right, people, thanks for tuning into the podcast today. Remember, you can find our podcast uploaded every Monday and Friday on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, as well as our website. We'd love to hear what you think of our show, so please leave a comment and give us a review on iTunes. And for more information about the news we just discussed, head over to our website, altcoinbuzz.io, where we publish all the latest news to keep you in the loop. So again, from the team here at Altcoin Buzz Podcast, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to catching you in the next episode. And bye-bye. The information discussed on the Altcoin Buzz YouTube, Altcoin Buzz Ladies YouTube, Altcoin Buzz Podcast, or other social media channels, including but not limited to Twitter, Telegram chats, Instagram, Facebook, website, etc., is not financial advice. This information is for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. Any information and advice or investment strategies are thoughts and opinions only relevant to accepted levels of risk tolerance of the writer, reviewer, or narrator, and their risk tolerance may be different than yours. We are not responsible for your losses. Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are high-risk investments, so please do your due diligence and consult a financial advisor before acting on any information provided. Copyright Altcoin Buzz, PTE Limited, all rights reserved.